0: You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. In this episode, we're answering the question, What does the Bible teach about hell? So you may not know this, but uh, Jesus is the person in the Bible who talks about hell more than anything else. Hell is the eternal destination for those who choose not to follow Jesus. What does the Bible teach us about it? And why is it so important for us to think about as followers of Jesus? Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, a part of the leadership team here at Christ Community Chapel. I've got with me today, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Zach Wyrock, and Stacey Donardo, both members of our leadership team. Our question today is, uh, what does the Bible teach about hell? So uh, this is part of our doctrinal belief, our theological belief. What does the Bible teach and how should we as followers of Jesus respond in light of the Bible's teaching?
1: I think one of the things that people should know is that... uh, the person in the Bible that talked the most about hell was Jesus himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of people have, like I've talked to people who will feel like they have a problem with hell, but they don't have a problem with Jesus. But if you have a problem with hell, you have a problem with Jesus. You Mm -hmm. just don't know it. So I think that that's one thing people ought to know just going into a discussion about hell.
2: Yeah, which is, it's interesting because I would start here and I think this is, inextricably linked to what you just said. And that is that the first, the most fundamental thing the Bible teaches about hell is that it, it is, that there is a place called hell. And yeah. that's why Jesus talked about it. And, And you know, look, the God who created hell, and we can get into why he would do that. And But the God who created hell is the same God who wanted so badly to keep you out of hell that his own son came and lived and died and, and rose from the dead so that you wouldn't go to hell. And that's why Jesus talked about it so much, right? Because it's linked to his coming is that the whole point is that we would avoid God's judgment and, and turn uh, in repentance and faith uh, to Jesus. So just the fun, most fundamental thing is that you can say, I don't believe in hell. I don't, I don't like hell. I don't, I don't believe my God doesn't create hell, send people to hell, et cetera. And that's fine. But then you you have to put down the Bible. Right, so so because the Bible just isn't going to let you form an understanding of the biblical God that doesn't include a place called hell.
1: Yeah, there's an awful lot of good. (laughs) There's good reasoning behind hell when you think about justice. And one one of the things that uh, I've told people who say, "Oh, my God is a God of love," uh, you can't be a God of love and not be a God of justice. You know, and all you have to do is be a parent with more than one child, and you know. That your kids, if you uh, if you are going to love them, uh, and they're going to feel your love for them, they have to also have a feeling of of what is just, because they'll they'll pick up injustice right away. If one of your children hits the other child, and you say, "Oh, don't worry about it. That's no big deal. You're you're okay by me." Your child that just got hit is going to look at you and say, don't you love, love me? me, right? right? So yeah. there is something that is—and that's the thing about the cross is that uh, at the cross, God's justice and God's love come together, uh, and and that's where great—and the thing that comes out of that is grace. Mm-hmm. But one of the problems that I think people have with hell is that people, uh, at least Americans in particular, we tend to uh, have this idea that everyone should— uh, Everyone is equal and everyone should get equal treatment. And I, I think that people have a problem with hell because they think, oh, well, somehow that's unfair that uh, some people go to hell and some people go to heaven. And I think that's a mistake in a category of thinking that something's unfair.
2: Yeah, you know, you said something that, you know, if you believe in a God of love, you have to believe in a God of, of justice. And, you know, it strikes me in that analogy of you have two kids, one kid hits the other one, right? Um the the kid who has a hard time believing in hell is the kid who did the hitting.
0: Yeah, that's right. right?
2: That's the, right. The kid who 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 got hit understands, and and I think I read a book called Evangelism, Doing Justice and Preaching Grace. It's it's an older book by a guy named Harvey Kahn. and one of the things he says in that book is that uh, what doesn't make sense in in you know, white neighborhoods in America makes a lot of sense in South America and Southeast Asia and Central Africa. And that is that if God loves us at all, there has to be a reckoning, right? You know, you you think about Places where they're under totalitarian regimes, where genocide happens. You think about children who grow up in abusive homes, uh, women who are in abusive marriages. You, you know, if God loves them at all, at all, I mean, just not even if He loves them completely, just if He loves them at all, there has to be an accounting. There has to be a, a reckoning, and, and hell is a testimony to that. I mean, hell is a testimony to the fact that God sees. God, God knows, God is aware, so that actually it's interesting you know, for us because we and, – and again, I understand if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know your story, so this might not apply to you. And if it doesn't, please, please don't think I'm applying it. But I'll speak for myself. I have lived such an easy life up to this point that hell might not make sense to me in a lot of ways because I think, boy, I just don't know – evil is equal to that kind of, but for those who have gone through significant evil, right, they don't have a problem with that. It it makes sense to them, and I think one of the things Harvey Kahn says is, it might very well be that when you show up in an American neighborhood, you don't start with hell, but if you're preaching the gospel in Southeast Asia, it might be that you start with hell, right? God sees, God knows, and he will bring a reckoning. That's how you know he loves you, and so I think sometimes we have to recognize our problem with hell really comes from a place of comfort and privilege. And if you really struggle with why there needs to be a hell, maybe the right thing to do at this point would be to stop and thank God for the life that you've gotten to live up to this point that hell doesn't make a lot of sense to you.
1: I think one of the most interesting stories that Jesus tells about hell is a story that I think, Zach, you preached on uh, a while ago, which is the story of uh, Lazarus and the rich man. Yeah. Um, and Lazarus is this character in the story who was poor and was hurting and all that. And he ended up dying and going to uh, Abraham's bosom, uh, which would be another uh, thing. Let's just say, say heaven. Say heaven yeah. Yeah. And uh, the rich man who uh, is in the story dies and he goes to hell. And the interesting part about that story is uh, the rich man is able to talk to Abraham. And if if you were in hell and you got to say something to somebody in heaven who had who seems like he had some authority, what would you say? What would be the question? And you'd think the question Let would me be, out. yeah, How do I please, get out of please, yeah. Yeah. forgive me. And, and he doesn't say that. In fact, the, the rich man in hell says to Abraham, tell Lazarus to dip his finger in water and bring me some relief. Yeah. And when you read uh, different commentaries and theologians about that story, what you find is that uh, you know we tend to think of hell as being a place that God throws people, and they're screaming, and they're saying, "Please no, yeah. please no." Uh, C.S. Lewis said that. Uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis said that God is so gracious that He created a, a single place in the entire universe where people could go who don't want to be with Him. Mm-hmm. And that uh, hell is locked uh, has a a door that is locked on the inside, and the people in hell don't want to get out because they don't they didn't want God in this life. They surely don't want Him for all the. And that story
2: reinforce that's in Luke sixteen, and that story reinforces that in a lot of ways. Uh, And I did preach a sermon on this, so for Fuller Treatment, you you should go check that out on the CCC website, but. Uh, it, a, in that the rich man still thinks of himself as the rich man and Lazarus as a beggar. Right. Right. So right. he says, go send, the send, the, thing. send that beggar, right? right? Send that beggar. I'm still in to, charge. To go, right. yeah, yeah. Send that beggar to go get me some water. And then when Abraham says, no, you know, you can't, he says, hey, well, send somebody to my brothers so that they won't end up here. And Abraham says, well, they have the scriptures. And the guy goes, well, they're not going to listen to the Bible, <laughs> right, right? And his right. point is, I'm here because you gave me insufficient resources right. to know. Not right? my fault. Blaming. He's scoffing. Yeah, right, so right. He, he, and you, you think, what, what, how, how deep, and that's the thing, we underestimate how deep our sin goes. Right, right, That in that story, Jesus says, hell is full of people who blame God, who blame other people, who have not changed. That story is telling us that if you pulled Adolf Hitler out of hell right now, that he would tell you the reason why he's there is because God is the God of the Jews. And, you know, I mean, like, right. he, that's that's right. what he would say. Yeah. And you would pull him out and you would want to put him back, right? Because <laughs> he's still Adolf Hitler. Like he hasn't, we think of hell as a reformatory, but it is not no. that. It is where sinners continue in sin for eternity without change, with, without interruption. In Lewis, you're right, Joe, is so great about saying God lets them be who they want to be. Like, hell is a place right. where where he lets them. And, and and to go back to the justice point, I'll tell you where that story came alive for me uh, when I was studying it. And And honestly, reading Lewis in The Problem of Pain on hell made me go back to that story. And it's the only story Jesus ever tells where he uses a name. Only mm-hmm. story. One story. Right. And only he parable, And gives Lazarus right? a name. Yeah, right, 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 only right, parable, right. right? He gives Lazarus a name. One story, one name. Why? Because he's beggar. saying Lazarus matters to him. Absolutely. To the rich yeah. man, he's just a beggar. But to God, he has a name, right? And he's at Abraham's bosom, the right. side of Abraham, which for a Jew, who <laughs> would have been, you know, next to My God, gosh. it would have been the, the, the VIP right, section right. of heaven, right? And, and Jesus saying to God, Lazarus is everything. But to the rich man, he's nothing. And that's why... There has to be a hell, yeah. right. Yeah, so think, when you put
0: it that way, it, it's not pleasant, certainly, but it makes sense. yeah I think you know, even something you said just a few minutes ago about uh, pointing out that the question or the, the question that the rich man asks is it's so telling because what he's saying is there's no way that like, where Lazarus is is better than where I am because even I would have go there yeah. if I could
1: right right and, and the thing about the thing about heaven is the only thing that reforms a sinner is grace. Yeah. Is grace received, right? Yeah. That That's the thing. I remember reading this too, that there's a difference between um, condoning sin and forgiving sin. And that is uh, how grace is received. If if To go to Zach's point, if you pull Adolf Hitler out of hell and he has not received forgiveness, he has not received grace, and you put him in heaven, you're condoning sin, which means you're unleashing hell in yeah, the midst con- of heaven. contaminating. you are introducing right. hell right. into heaven. It'd right. be the worst. By the way,
2: well, it would be Genesis 3. Right it would right. be yeah. it would be yeah. a good world yeah. that is now corrupted, right I mean that that is the story of earth yeah. that, that's what and we, we know you have. only need one yeah. right to that's contaminate
1: right. the whole thing
2: right? well and and so let me just stop for a second and say this because if i don't I don't know your story and I don't, I don't know where you're at listening to this, but if you are a victim, if your fundamental identity is a victim at the hands of a parent or a spouse or societally or whatever it might be, if that is if fundamentally you understand yourself in light of what's been done to you let me encourage you with this. No one gets away with anything. Yeah. There is a reckoning because God loves you, because you matter, because he sees what happened to you. And if you, if what's keeping you from the love of God is that you think he doesn't care, he does care. Yeah. A- and your, your assailant will spend eternity in suffering because God cares, because you, like Lazarus, you are worth it. He knows your name. You matter to him. But let me also say this. The Bible does talk a lot about hell, a lot about hell. There's only two reasons why God would do that. Okay. Two reasons. One is he wants to rub our face in it. Right. Like he wants to say, this is what's coming for you. The other one is he's warning us. Yeah. Right. Now it could have been the first one, except for he sent Jesus to give his own life, for us in order that we might avoid hell. So it must be the second one. So instead of turning away from the biblical witness on hell, we ought to turn towards it and realize God is telling us so much about hell in order that we wouldn't end up there.
0: Well, and I was just thinking as well, like as a Christian, how motivating that should be for me to tell others about Jesus, for me to be urgent about wanting other people to experience the invitation and the life of
1: Jesus and the grace
0: that he offers.
2: And to worship. Yeah. Because short of, as Joe said, short of grace, that's where I belong.
1: Right. And the other thing is historically, uh, Christians have been able to endure suffering without retaliation because of a belief that God is just. Yeah, I gotta tell you. And that you, God will be the one. Yeah, I read a quote,
2: uh, and Joe, I know you you know this book as well. In exclusion and embrace is the book by a guy named Miroslav Wolf. And I, I can't recommend you know his his theology comprehensively to you, but he he is an Eastern European guy who teaches at Yale, who lived, you know, kind of came from the Balkans where the you had the, the genocide under uh uh Milosevic. And he talks about walking through the village that he grew up in, and it's been burned down, and the women have been assaulted, and the men have been killed. And and he has this amazing passage in the book where he talks about the juxtaposition of the way people uh, in Connecticut, where Yale is, talk about God and the way people in that village talked hmm. about God. And he, and he says it hit him that the idea of a God who forgives everything and and sweeps everything under the rug and isn't upset about anything, it makes sense that's
1: in, a suburban... in Connecticut, right? right. He right. says that,
2: that makes sense in Connecticut because, like, what, your neighbor forgot to put out their trash, they didn't mow their grass, you know. Right. He says, but when you're walking through a village that's been burned out and the women have been assaulted and the men have been killed, he says, you realize if God is loving at all, he's got to, he's got to bear a sword. I think that's what Fulf says. He's got to, he has to bear the sword. And Wolf is actually a pacifist. That's that's what he's known for. And he actually says, the only way I could be a pacifist, the only way I could not seek to demolish my enemies is because I know there's a reckoning coming. I mean, his whole argument is that what sustains him is this idea that judgment is coming. And I think we just have to recognize that perhaps maybe uh, our experience in Hudson is not Uh, should not be formative in our understanding of hell.
1: Hell. Yeah, Yeah, and once again, what we say at CCC is you have to let the Bible inform your culture and not your culture inform your Bible. Otherwise, you will uh, end off in error in one way or another, and uh, one of those ways is an understanding of hell.